Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to listen to our next episode on our podcast, iBuzz, produced by Animal Concepts. My name is Sabrina Brando, and we help you care for animals and for yourself and support you in your other goals, such as conservation, education, and research. Today, I am delighted to welcome my guest, Irma Verhoeven, who is a professional educator and program and partnership development manager with Earth Charter International. Welcome, Irma. Irma, as a professional educator, can you share a little bit about your first memories uh, in becoming an educator or teacher? What were some of your earlier memories in that, that this is what I'd love to do? <laughs> That's um, actually, I never thought I would become an educator. Um, so I grew up in a very small town uh, at the edge of the forest. So I would always be outside and go into the forest and climb trees and and um, play um, in nature. And um, after my, my um, let's say, college, um, there was this education um, that was integrated science. So it integrated physics, chemistry, biology, and some geography. And for me, that was very logic because everything's connected in my head. So when you see um, a red berry on a tree or a bush, you can explain it through chemistry, you can explain it through biology, you can explain it through physics. Um, so that for me, that made total sense to, to have that combination, that integral um, science topic. Um, and it happened to be an education um, degree. So I wanted to do this science topic and it was also an education degree. And I thought, okay, I don't want to teach, but I love that topic. So um, that's what I did. And then the first year we had to teach at kindergarten, um, which was definitely not my thing. Uh, it was really funny. There was one of the little boys that said, oh, I have to go to the washroom. I said, yeah, sure, go to the washroom. And then after a couple of minutes, he was shouting, you know, I'm ready. And I thought, okay, fine, you're ready. And I kept going, you know, working with the kids. And they were all looking at me like, okay, aren't you going to, you know, you're supposed to do something. <laughs> but I had no clue. And then I'm ready. Yeah, fine. Come on back in class. No, I'm ready. And all these little kids were looking at me like, you know, is she going to do something or what? So, so I had to, of course, help him at, on the, at the toilet. I had no clue. And I had to tie laces and stuff like that. So it was fun, but definitely not my thing. <laughs> and, um, but then I started uh, teaching at, uh, at higher levels. And I liked um, working with, with students. I liked to challenge them, like to see, you know, what, what, what are the talents? Do you want to develop your talents more? Do you want to learn other things? Really challenge them to, to, to be curious um, and teach them more about 
anything actually uh, their lives you know what do you encounter um something you know i taught a subject that it had to do with um health and uh, healthy eating and things like that and i love that um but in the end i i sort of specialized in uh, the relationship that we have as people with um our natural environment and that includes <clears throat> that includes physics and science and geography and um biology um so all these topics combined and it's a different way of teaching um it's not like you teach one subject and you know and, and it's like um um like I'm in front of the class and I tell what I know and the, and the students just take notes. It's not my kind of teaching. Yeah, so, so we're going to hear more about what sort of teaching you do like. So perhaps before we go into those specifics, you can you didn't want to really become a teacher or teach. But then ultimately, actually, for the you know 30 years or more, you have been working as a teacher. So perhaps can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, when or why did you ultimately become attracted to working in education or and also why is education so important to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I always had the combination between um, business organization and and uh, teaching, being an educator. And like the red thread for me is communication um, and um connections connections with people connections with your surroundings so for me working in business um, and especially in sustainable urban development and teaching is very much in line it has to do with communication it has to do with um, connection it has to do with challenges um, let people think make them you know think about their choices um, um, sparkle their curiosity. Um, uh, look at you know what is it you want to achieve in your life, and how can I help? So that's very much in line with with what I do um, and what I like to do. Because I would like um, people to become aware of the consequences of their choices. Um, and I think, you know, we, we, we are living in challenging times and um, we for sure have to realize that every decision that I make, every decision that you make has consequences. And to be aware of those consequences, you know, whether it be you live in an urban area or you live um, in the outback or you're in a classroom, um, you go to, you know, during your break time, you go and buy a sandwich. Everything you do has a consequence. And, and that's what I would like. That's what I like to talk about and, be, you know, make people aware of, of the power they have when they make choices. Yeah. So when you say you want to, like, spark people's curiosity and, and also people's ability to make changes to know that they are agents for change depending on the choices that they make so what sort of you know ways do you use what are some of your ways of teaching or favorite interactions when you want to spark people's mm -hmm. curiosity or you know behavior change if you like yes so in one of the the topics that i teach is is the relationship that we as people have with other with our environment natural environment um for instance so it's a little bit like cultural anthropology 
Um, and I've worked with indigenous peoples from around the world around the world. And what they do is they use storytelling. So I use st storytelling in my class. Um, so in the Netherlands where I teach, it's not very common. I mean, you do storytelling when you are, you know, these kindergarten kids where I work, where I had to work for with um, when I started teaching. But when you grow up, you don't do any storytelling anymore. It's not in our culture. So before you jump into that, what do we mean or what do you mean when you say storytelling? What, mm -hmm. what sort of thing is that? Okay, so storytelling, of course, can be a lot of things. But um, specifically here, uh, Indigenous people use storytelling actually in four ways. So um, one of them is um, becoming aware of your natural environment and the challenges that those environments um, can can give you like you know you walk into the forest and there are bear or cougar in the forest so like a warning for the natural environment um, there's another one another line that is about you know what is your heritage where do you come from um, and that go can go go back like thousands of years so what is your your origin the origin stories then you have a um, a line that is that talks about um, when you when you enter next stages in your life. So you're born, you become an adult, um, you get children, you die. So all those kind of big moments in your life, um, and those stories prepare you for for those the new roles that you get in the next phase of your life. And then the last one, let me think, which one did I have? Oh, and the last one is about how do you treat each other so um you have respect for your elders you have respect for um other peoples and other peoples in this case is for instance the bear people or the salmon people or you know uh, other animals um so those four um lines of stories are in almost every indigenous culture and um by telling those stories history is recorded so people know where they come from what is expected from them how they um, encounter their environment what their role is within their community and within the environment and using those stories is very powerful in teaching yes yeah, so the storytelling with regards to of course you know different phases of your life and your origin stories but you also talk about really other, you know, how do you care about others? And that really is about not just humans, the human animal, but other animals, trees, plants, the greater community of life, the planet that we share. Exactly. And then you tie those stories into the classes that you teach and the topics. So you constantly talk about different sorts of stories that different peoples, indigenous peoples around the world, so by you have worked in a lot of different places with a lot of different people. So can you talk to us a little bit about what have you learned from working with different indigenous peoples around the world and how has that influenced you as an educator on how you teach today or share today? Um, when I'm, I think our Western culture um, is very um, focused, very much focused on the individual. So what we lost, what we've lost is the sense of community. And I think 
um, that doesn't mean that when you look at indigenous peoples and they, they are um, very aware of the community and the responsibility that they have for each other and for their environment, um, that's, that doesn't mean that the individuals aren't important. They are important. And it doesn't matter. Um, a, a lot of the indigenous peoples have a very strict form of hierarchy. So you have princes and princesses and you have you know, the commoners. Um, but every single one has a specific role and every role is important. So as a community, you need those different roles and you need, need those different individuals to survive as a community. Um, and in our Western world, we only look at the individual. So not being part of a community. That's very, you know, black and white, right? Of course, there, there are nuances there. But, but in general, that's how I experience it. Um, even at, when I'm teaching now, everyone's talking about, oh, you have to um, really focus on that one specific individual. I mean, I talk to parents and only their child is important. It's not, you know, what happens in the classroom. It's not a, um, like a, a community kind of learning. It's the one individual that needs to learn or that needs, you know, um, encouragement or that needs a better grade. It's not about, you know, as a community, as a class um, within that setting, how can we as a community become better? And I think that is the biggest lesson I learned. So when you say community and everybody has a role to play and the storytelling that is used, you also would then include the stories of the animals and the roles they play in the trees and the rivers. And even though they're not part of like the human community or the human environment directly, they would be acknowledged as the roles that they need to play. Exactly, yeah. And I use those stories because my students, um, they're um, very much, they're in ecology and wildlife. Um, so talking about, um, um, you know, what is, um, what kind of stories are there in different places in the world? You can imagine that, you know, if I talk, if I use an Inuit story, which is um, very uh, like a, a harsh, cold environment. There are no trees. There, there are no bush. It's very, they have very different stories compared to um, the Yanomani in the tropical rainforest in Brazil. Um, so what I do is I just start with a story, and then I I ask them, okay, which where do you think this takes place? You know, which part of the on the globe am I talking about? And I train them to listen to. Um, environmental clues like am I talking about a coconut tree am I talking about um, a lion am I talking about you know all the different natural elements that are in the story um, so so they learn to listen and I think in a lot of traditional cultures paying attention listening watching experiencing is is key also for survival so they are trained to do that. And that, you know, we are trained to watch TV and after 15 minutes, there's a commercial. So off you go, you don't have to focus anymore. Um, so we are trained to focus for 15 minutes and then it's gone. Within a lot of indigenous cultures, they have uh, um, 
um, feasts or celebrations that go on for days and you have to pay attention um, because that, that's where history is recorded. Um, and by introducing those stories in a lot of different ways, like storytelling, like music, like theater, like using masks, like um, uh, regalia, um, really triggering all your senses, that that makes you know you make sure that you pay attention because it's fun because it's expected from you and because it it it's um you it's immersive is that the right word yeah so that's what i try to do with you know the stories that i bring to my students yes and it's i think really interesting because we know that of course we have short-term memory and, you know, there's only so much you can store there before it's bumped out and you need time, you know, to assimilate, you need to sleep, you know, and long-term memory and, and the simulation of all these different things through your different sensory systems. And even though that might not necessarily have been known in those details, the repetition and the different sorts of stories being, you know, taught um, and shared in different formats, you listen, you dance, you sing, you talk together, all those over time, over those few days or whatever time it might be, would serve that sort of, you know, need that obviously you can't pay attention all the time, but it allows you to really, you know, come together and, and really be immersed in it. So it, that's also very interesting, right, to kind of learn about how other people's have learned together over time and what sort of things have worked to really kind of embed it through sharing and, and also repetition, because yes. of course you need. And so you talk also about learning through each other or through activities and from each other and with each other. So there's a lot of sort of ways where it's not just like I am talking at you. So it also has to do with this sort of sparking of somebody's own agency. And so can you talk to us a little bit more when you talk about with and through and from? What do you mean? Yes. Um, okay, so I was talking about the different roles that people have within a community. And what I'm actually doing is trying to um, recreate that. You know, if they are in working in groups then um, or working as a class, I, I sort of, um, you know, every, every role is important. Um, but someone focuses on, okay, how do I organize this thing? Other one is organizing, oh, how do we make sure that this is recorded, that others can, can look at it? Um, someone is maybe more into um, um, presentation, making sure that, you know, the, 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 the story is being told. Um, so what I let them do is discover which role does, suits me. Um, and when I start the first year, I, I put them in those roles. You know, the, those are the ones that they feel comfortable with. Um, but while they, while they progress in their education, I'm going to put them, you know, in other roles. So put them outside their comfort zone so that they understand what, it, what you need and how you experience a role that isn't naturally yours. Um, so they they get to feel it, they get to respect it, um, they get to see the value of those different roles. But also sometimes they figure, oh, I really thought I was, you know, I was very good in just collecting data, 
But now I realize I'm pretty good in presenting those data. So that's that's the other thing that you don't, I don't want them to get stuck in their comfort zone. I want to get them out. And I think the other thing that's really important is that, that um, I take them out of the classroom a lot of the time. So we go outside or we go to, you know, I really like it um, to invite other people from the work field and share their, their experiences. I really like it that we go out in the field and have those other experiences. Um, so I think triggering all senses is very important. Um, and I have like a, like a toolbox, <laughs> which, which I use um, it's, you know, um, it's not, I think it's very important that you use a tool book box, not, not filled with tricks, but things that actually, so if I use something that I don't feel comfortable with, or is not within, you know, um, something that I, that, that I've seen others do, but not that, no, it doesn't belong to me. It doesn't come from the heart. Then I don't use it. That's, I mean, students definitely see through that. So when you say like you don't use it, it doesn't come from the heart. Could I interpret that as that is a method of teaching or sharing or interaction or connecting together that doesn't really resonate with you and therefore you don't want to use it. That's not really in your philosophy. So it might be a really good tool. It might be a very good method, but it doesn't fit within the way that you would like to share and think. Is that how I should understand yes. it? I think it's very important to be authentic, to be yourself, not to play. Of course, you play a role because you're an educator. So you you step in sort of the role of the educator. But it's me. I'm not, I'm not, you know, performing. I think that's essential. Yeah. And that also brings to what you've been talking about, the importance of coming together, right? Because there might be very important skills that, like, for example, I don't necessarily know how to do stats very well. So, and I could, you know, talk about it a little bit, but it wouldn't really, it certainly wouldn't come from the heart, but also <laughs> I wouldn't be very good at it. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's like methods or there's tools or certain things. So everybody has a role to play and it might be that your students or my students or our teams need to learn or I need to learn certain things, but we all might have to play another role in teaching those skills. It might just not be me or you teaching that particular method. Is that how I should learn? Yes. Great. And the best way of doing it is, is um, when students realize that that's not really my skill as an educator, but there's someone else in the classroom that's excellent with it. So they say, okay, can I ask him? Because he knows, you know, then I know I do a good job. Exactly. Because ultimately we are all teachers of some sort, right? Whether you are in a, in a teacher position or in an educator position, it doesn't mean that you cannot learn from each other in the class or that people around us, younger or older, have skills that we can all continue to learn and and uh, engage with yes for sure and and it the basics basics there is respect and a lot of my colleagues are saying oh you know the students have to respect me yeah that's true but likewise you have to respect your students um you know and they also sometimes have you know a day off like they're, they're not feeling well or you know they have trouble at home or whatever so that's that's also something that you have to take into account not 
not as an excuse or for them to get away with things, but for them as human beings that are that have a role within that community and of course then influences um, the process that takes that takes place in the classroom or wherever you are. Yeah. And so when you you work with students, you know, sometimes a year, sometimes you know, several years through their education, their process. What are some of your favorite ways of empowering them and also, you know, inspiring them to become change makers in this world before Mm -hmm. they, yeah, maybe you never see them again afterwards. Maybe you do on the work floor, but what are some of your favorite? When, when I had a class that was, that was one of my best classes, like a group of people. Um, So um, when I start with storytelling, I don't introduce them. I just, I just, um, so when they have the relationship that we have people have with our natural environment, which is one of the topics, then I have a story and I start a story. And the, the students are looking at me as like, and each other, and they feel, they get very, un, you know, uncomfortable. Like, you know, is she really telling a story? They find it really weird because it's not within our culture. And then, you know, I use the story as as a um, hook to to teach, to ask questions, to you know, okay, so what do you hear in this story? What does it mean to you? What do you think? It, it you know, if we're looking at those four lines of storytelling, where does it belong? Um, what what is this story trying to to um, what kind of behavior does this story emphasizes? Are who is the hero? And a hero can be someone that is does the things that that society approves of and highly um, um, admire, but it can also be the other way around, right? And hero or an anti-hero can also be the one that shows, you know, this is definitely what we don't want. Um, so those are the teachings within within the story. And we discuss it and talk about it. And um, um so this this particular class was a year was um, they they were very fond of the storytelling and what I always do is I do the storytelling and then at at you know the fifth or sixth or seventh class I don't start with the story I just start and then there's always a couple of them say hey wait a second where's our story, where's the story? <laughs> where is the story and I just love that I I love playing that game. Um, so this this group was, um, I think, in the in the second year, halfway the second year, they said, "Do you mind if we take over?" I said, "What do you mean?" Okay, do you mind if we find the stories and then do all the all the things that you always do, but that we do it ourselves? Yay! I am done. <laughs> like that was fantastic, um, and they came up with great stories and of course you have to sort of help them the first couple of times okay how do you um i mean there is a technique in how how do you approach a story and how do you explain a story and and what are the lessons learned um but they you know they got it and they the 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 rest of the second year and the third year it was their their doing and it was awesome um, so at a certain point, they introduced, okay, it's not only storytelling. If we're talking about an Aboriginal story from Australia, then art is very important because they use art as storytelling. Can we do something with art? 
So it's not me um, teaching um, the subjects, but it's it's them, and I join them in what they want to learn. So I think that is what makes great change makers, that they realize um, this is what we need to do. This is how I want to be as part of the community of life. And, and I want to engage with people. I want to engage with, with nature. And I want to make sure that we do it in the right way um, towards the common good. Yeah, and it's also, of course, then questions about, so what are we learning from indigenous peoples and their ways of stories? And then how do we set it in a Dutch context or a European context? And also how do how are we respectful in the ways that stories are used or told? And, and how can we use those insights in, in our cultures or our religions or, right? And that's that's another exercise that you do together. Yes, exactly. And and sometimes I'm really lucky that I have um, may, maybe one of my native friends that that is visiting in the Netherlands, and I I get them into the classroom. Um, other thing I do is is I I also work for Earth Charter International, um, and um, we have certain um, online courses. So I encourage my students to become part of those online courses. Um, it's in English, that that's a good uh, exercise, you know, to to also um, you know work in another language in the international field. But there are people from Nigeria, from you know Asia, from uh, India, from um, North America, from all over the place. They all come from their own context. They all use their own lenses, and they work through um, topics as leadership, sustainability, and ethics, and they it's really enriching for them to see you know i'm in the comfort of my own classroom or my own home and we are extremely um um we have a lot of privileges in the western world um, and when they talk to this guy in nigeria who is totally devoted to a more sustainable environment creating a more sustainable environment environment for his community and for nature it gives a very different perspective and you see that you know if they if they their lives cross and um, both of them are enriched yes and it's also this we're going to talk more about the earth charter and what the earth charter is and but there's also this thing about so i'm an individual here but we are grouped together in you know my community in my city in my town in my street and then there's this other person that i'm connecting with in nigeria who is an individual trying to make a change in his community and you know street and ultimately we are all these individuals you know but working in a, from a community perspective or and a local perspective in making changes exactly yeah, yeah exactly so and that's of course really key because there are so many especially when you're teaching sustainability environment care respect it is a challenging world right now and for them and for all of us you and i to connect to others who are committed to it and who are making differences everywhere you feel connected even though you can't be together Yes. Yeah. Like last yesterday, we talked about hope, um, and I think a lot of young people have a problem with hope now. Um, it's hard to have hope in a in a world where so many things exactly, are... and and even in the privileged world that we live in, 
still for them, it's hard to have hope. Um, but if they encounter a lot of other young people, older people, it doesn't matter. If they encounter, you know, I am part of, of a community and maybe it's not my neighbor. Maybe it's someone in, I don't know, a Malawi. Um, but th- we are all in this together and we're trying to achieve the same thing. We're ch- trying to create better life, which, which is more, you know, just sustainable and peaceful. Um, and if I find someone in Malawi that finds this, that has exactly the same purpose, and there's one in India, you know, and there's one in Moldavia, and there's one in Canada, um, it creates a community. And that also, you know, you know, there are a lot of disadvantages of everything online, but there's also a lot of advantages on how students find each other. Yeah, absolutely. We we are recording these in COVID times. And of course, you know, we miss being together or but we also are grateful that we can meet lots of people and we have reduced dramatically our carbon footprint through flying. And yeah, so there's pros and cons of being online for mm-hmm. sure. And so the other thing that you already mentioned, the Earth Charter. So you besides doing many other things and working as a professional educator, you work as the program in partnership development. No. Cut. <laughs> so you earlier you mentioned the Earth Charter and you work as a program and partnership development manager with Earth Charter International and Animal Concepts since 2020 is a partner of which we are very proud. But can you talk to us about what the Earth Charter is and Specifically also, how is it useful for educational organizations, use in aquariums? How can they use it? Yeah. So the Earth Charter is a, a document. Um, it has 16 principles, um, four pillars, um, and there's a lot of text. There's a lot of words. Um, but I like to use the Earth Charter as a living document. It's not like a dogma. It's, I use the Earth Charter as a lens to look, look through. And the first principle is, you know, the first pillar actually that has its four principles. I, I, in everything I do, I use it, um, which is res- respect and care for the community of life. So every decision nowadays, not, not that conscious, but <laughs> so I'm not like, oh, I have to do everything that I do. I look, I, I use that sentence, but um, it's I'm not the- about perfection, right? It's about. Exactly. Trying to do as much as you can in the moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, because then, you know, you also talk about the second pillar, which is ecological integrity. It has a lot to do with respect and care for the community of life. And the community of life is not us as, as human beings, but the community of life is everything on this planet um, that is alive. And for me, it's also everything that's not alive, like the, you know, the soil, um, air, water is also essential for the community of life. So it's as important as life itself. Rocks and trees and just yes. everyone and everything. Everyone and everything. Yes. That, that makes, you know, this planet work. Um, if we properly use it and not overuse it, um, and not only um, look at, at it as a resource, but look at look at it as a value. So um, the Earth Charter is is written as um, a participatory process. So everyone, like in every country, there were a couple of people that were thinking about, okay, what it is, what is it that 
how should we treat this planet? How should we um, encounter our natural environment? How should we um, connect with each other? And um, so all that information um, came to a group of people um, and they sort of, they wrote the Earth Charter with, with all that information. They send it back to the people that, you know, put it, got that um, had input into it um, until they sort of agreed, okay, this is what has been said um, by people from around the world, different layers, doesn't matter whether you're, you know, almost like the Pope or, um, you know, you, you, um, you teach or, you know, um, doesn't matter. Everyone is, is, was involved, all layers. Um, and um, you can use it in education. I use it as a lens. So um, you can look at your the way you teach or what you teach and use the Earth Charter um, words to, to see, you know, am I working towards the common good? Am I taking universal responsibility? Um, am I... Um, um, talking about democracy, am I talking about peace? Am I talking about sustainability in the broader sense of the world? So it word, so it has to do with environment, it has to do with economy, um, and it has to do with with um, with nature, um, with people, with society. So I already mentioned we, you and I, have known each other for a long time, partner in purpose for many years. Since some time, you now also work as one of our partners in animal concepts in the global team. Why is this important to you? Hmm. It's another um, way of um, reaching people, another way of connecting to um, people in a different field that I'm normally working in. Um, and that what I really like is the way it's set up. So it's, um, you know, uh, taking care of people, taking care of other animals and taking care of the planet, about planetary well-being. And of course, the last bits that I'm, I'm working on that most more specifically, that line of thought that you take care of something, that you are sort of a shepherd of them, something without saying, I own it, I think is very important. Um, I think... You know, a lot of things went wrong from the moment that we started talking about ownership. Like, I own this piece of land instead of, you know, this piece of land um, provides me for the things that I need to live. That's a totally different approach. Um, so if you're talking about taking care of people, taking care of animals and taking care of the planetary well-being, that really resonates with me. Um, so I think that's you know, why I, um, why I thought, you know, this is another way that, that, that we can use to um, make people aware of the choices that they have, the choices that they make in their life, um, the power that they have as an individual or as a zoo or as, you know, an organization to, to make the change that is needed. Um, and also that they are not alone in their quest, that there are a lot of people, a lot of organizations, a lot of um, caretakers that want to achieve the same thing, sometimes don't know how. And if we can provide them the tools, then, you know, that, then we're two steps ahead um, already. 
Yeah, and it's really very much about collaborating, right? Because like we have some tools and some ideas and some experiences and then other people have it and other organizations have it and bringing everybody together so that we can continue to learn from and through and with each other, right? Some of the things that you talked about earlier and really making that connection. And of course, also acknowledging the fact that you know, many, many, many people are living in urban areas or in cities, and that's only going to grow in future years. And for the last 24 years, you have been involved in World of Wallace as a co-founder, but also as an education advisor. So can you specifically talk to educational efforts in relation to a more participative and sustainable city? Because, mm-hmm. of course, you know, a lot of people live in cities, a lot of organizations schools, universities, zoos, you know, aquariums, lots of places are in and around cities. So how can we make cities more sustainable? And what also is sustainable to you? In what way does that mean in care and respect? Yeah, the um, we are as as people, we are, um, we can build relationships when we experience things. So Um, Right now we're sitting in France, we have a beautiful natural environment, we go out for walks and we experience um, nature, the beauty of nature, the power of nature, um, the um, challenges that nature can can, um, sometimes have for us. Um, And that's how we build relationship. That's how we we build respect Um, and with that respect comes admiration. admiration. Um, so we're going to admire <laughs> nature, um, but also love nature. And if, it, if we love nature, we want to take care of it, right? So people in urban settings ha- don't have that opportunity too often to build that relationship. Um, because there's not not many forests or even parks. Like nature doesn't have to be super, like lots of space, right? It could be a smaller park or of even course, nature yes. on your balcony. But even that is hard, you say. Um, yeah, well, so what you have in a sustainable, if we're talking about what you want people to be in, a, want to be happy in the city to experience well-being in the city and for people and a lot of other animals well-being has to do with um, being able to breathe being able to have space being able to connect um you mean like breathe like fresh air healthy air yes yeah to be able to um um have uh, good food um realize that you know the the um, I don't know the the apple that you have on in on, in the fruit bowl on your table that it actually comes from a tree, um, and those are things you know in my generation that's you don't even think about it. Of course, that is true, but I encounter children from cities that have no clue. Um, so how can they love the apple tree if they don't know that the apple that they're eating comes from the apple tree, right? So why should they care about the apple tree? Um, so that that's sort of the circle that people need to um, for well-being. 
to learn that everything is connected. And yes, I remember once I was at a zoo and I was working together with the care staff and the animals and we were near a class uh, that was outside and they were looking at the animals and they were talking about the bushes. And one of the educators asked the children, what name a few things that are on the ground? And, and some children said asphalt and concrete. Yes. And, uh, and later I learned it came from big cities. And yeah, like you say, they might not even, you know, be used to walking on grass or seeing bushes and yeah. sort of that whole connection that, yeah, an apple actually comes from a tree. You don't buy it in, you know, on the market in a bowl or in a plastic bag in the supermarket. Exactly. Yeah. So well-being has a lot to do with relationships with relationship towards each other um, within your community of peoples, um, but also relationship with, with um, your environment. And um, you can create healthy environments within a city if you are able to create those relationships. Um, so for the work that we do um, in World of Wallace, what we do is look at um, at areas in cities and look at the communities and look at, you know, what is it that the people in this community need um, instead of, okay, we hire an architect and we put a building there. Um, we look at, no, this is a community of peoples of people and um, we go and talk to them. You know, what is it that you need for, to increase your well-being? Um, and then we, we also include those people in building the community that they want. And very often it has to do with um, more green, more trees, water, um, play areas, and not like the, the superficial uh, play areas, but an area where they can, you know, climb a tree. Um, so um, where they can um, see birds, um, and there, you know, there are a lot of, actually, there are a lot of animals in cities, like foxes and you name it. Um, so how did, how can they encounter urban wildlife? And why is urban wildlife not a pest, but actually, you know, um, those, those um, crows, you know, they can be annoying, but they clean a lot of our mess. They clean up a lot of our mess. So they have a purpose. Um, and when you're able to, to, um, make people aware of the relationship and the purpose of all those elements in their environment. What is it that's missing? And can we add that? Then you can create well-being in a city. Yes, and that also allows for sort of, you talk about, you know, spark. I love how you say sparkles, you know, like sparkling <laughs> and, uh, and adding sparkles. But it's that sort of curiosity that, Initially, often what is needed is that we see what is the purpose to us, right? How does it help humans and human animal? And then it also allows for a sort of soil or, you know, foundation to then talk about actually other animals within our cities or outside our cities. They also are part of this planet, right? So how do we respectfully, how can we create environments where they can live their lives, you know, with us or independent from us, right? So, but we need to kind of go through all these different phases or different steps yeah. for people to really make it an inclusive for everybody, including other animals or trees, or how do we not cut a tree, right? If we want to uh, 
um, do something. Yes. And so we don't, you know. Yeah. And also, you know, there's a lot of different um, um, fields that you need in the sense that, okay, some people want water and then you create this pond. And of course the pond creates um, uh, a lot of insects, right? Um, and that's not a problem as long as you, as you give bats the opportunity to hunt. So, you know, all these different expertise, you need to sort of, um, and roles and, and, um, and areas of knowledge, you need to, to include into, okay, what is it that we need to create this community of well-being, not only for human beings, but for all beings. Yeah, and for people then to be aware that, yeah, if you want water, then it's likely you're going to have frogs that could, uh, you know, make a lot of sound. Or you're going to have insects. And are you happy then for bats or swallows to roost near you so that they, because like you say, you know, if you grow up in nature, you're a lot more aware or you know about, you know, other animals around you. But if you grow up in a city and you don't necessarily have learned all those different uh, connections. Yes. So, yeah, it's super interesting. And especially... I guess going back to the beginning or coming to the end of the podcast as a professional educator and working with children, especially also in urban and cities, it's just a wonderful journey you can have together, right? In uh, creating, as you say, a more just, sustainable and peaceful ethical society. So in conclusion of the podcast, can you share with us a story of uh, that's close to your heart or perhaps even a, a vision of, of, you know, something that, that really matters to you. I'm encountering a new job. The 1st of May, I'm going to start a new job. Um, and I, I'm getting the opportunity to create a new um, education, educational system, actually. Um, so this is 2022. This is 2022. And the topic of that education is um, sustainable um, living in urban environments. So that's, like I said, that's really near to my heart, right? And I, I together with, with um, two colleagues, I'm going to create this new kind of education in which we um, teach students. First, we teach students on, okay, on problem solving and challenges. Like, okay, this is the challenge and how we're going to solve this problem. So we're not going to put them in a classroom and teach, you know, math and we teach um, I don't know, biology, and we teach all those different subjects. No, we're going to um, put them in a classroom, have the different roles, have the different perspectives, gives them, give them the opportunity to find all the things that they need. Get to work, see how you can solve this, or see, you know, is this really, actually, is this a problem? You know, I find that also very interesting. A lot of the things that we encounter as problems are not problems at all, or at least not problems for the environment, maybe for yourself, but then who's the problem, right? So um, so we're going to teach them research methods uh, and different research methods. We're going to teach them uh, on how can you use um, uh, those uh, research methods uh, in finding the information that you need to work on this challenge. And then first we have to teach them how to do it because a lot of students have no clue how to do it. But then um, we hope that in the second year, the students will find the challenges themselves and they will, they will ask us for, their, for help instead of you know, us coming up with challenges and telling them, you know, this is what you need to learn. We want to flip that around 
first teach them how to do it and then flip them around and yeah. then they they include us in their challenges so that's what that you know if we can make that work and i'm sure that we can because um i have two two people that i really like to work with um very much like-minded um but you know with different roles because you need different roles to create the best product um and it's and what the most fun is it, it is the product is not set right it's evolving it's changing the whole time because the students are in the lead um and i think that would make that will make resilient young professionals yeah so they learn you know critical thinking they learn research methods then they start to you know it's like when somebody says oh yeah did you see you know the blue new containers for x y and z and suddenly you start to notice them everywhere right or have you noticed that that is a there's wastewater and then suddenly they start to notice right and they start to reach out to the community or in their own neighborhood start to think about okay maybe this is something that we could tackle so again yes. you know we're going full circle through the whole podcast on how do we learn through each other with each other you know yeah and together and how do we learn from different research methods whether it's you know the ones through biology or other indigenous research methods yes. and really you know continuing and evolving together it yes. is a living document like earth charter and also the way that we are learning and addressing the problems that will continue to arrive but what are the opportunities and indeed how do we empower young people who are the future to come up with solutions whether it's for peoples animals a greater community of life and the beautiful planet we share exactly thank you so much irma thank I'm you really Sabrina. delighted to be on this podcast and i'm sure there's going to be more of them thanks again <laughs> you're welcome thank you irma for a wonderful podcast and thank you for listening and subscribe to our newsletter if you would like to receive updates on new episodes and other resources that we release Accessing simplified tools and practical resources has never been easier through our signature platforms, Practical Animal Welfare Science, which is all about animal well-being, One Care, which is all about human well-being, and the Earth Charter and Sustainable Development Goals, which is all about planetary well-being. A huge thank you to all our members. Animal Concepts is honored and delighted to support a global community connected together through three powerful platforms in one membership experience. Everyone should have access to affordable, continued personal development, regardless of financial challenges. You can find more about complimentary access to our Acts of Kindness programs on our website. When people unite from a culture of care and respect, they, the animals, and the planet can flourish. If you feel inspired, follow the link in the podcast description to become a member today. 